Ah, oh, thank you, Jesus. What a joy to be in His house, in His presence. And um, it's an exciting time to be alive. I thought there was a prophetic shift this morning. Something shifted in the spirit. The tides are turning. The season is changing. And um, this week, just want to encourage you with this. This week, I felt something really burning in my spirit about this whole virus situation. And I realized we, we, we roll over too quickly as the people of God. We adjust too quickly. Um, and the reality is this, that actually it's war. And uh, this virus has come against everything that God wants to do, but it can't win. And it can't succeed because of what Jesus did on the cross. And I actually want to encourage you, if you've been in a place of complacency where you've just allowed this thing to dictate to you how you're going to live your life, then I feel like today God wants to set you free and He wants to put you on the front foot. And He wants to actually um, bring an assurance to your faith this morning. He actually wants to seal that fire in your belly, that fire in your spirit to say, what do you believe about me? Because let me prove to you that it's true. And God loves that. God loves to show Himself true. So I just want to encourage you with that um, this morning. And, and we're excited to carry on with um, our series, Faith and Finances. And, uh, you know, I, I've said this a couple of times. I think it's been such a funny thing for people to go like, why would you talk about finances in the middle of a global pandemic, you know, uh, when things are really tough? And that's exactly why. And we shared on Wednesday at the Bible study, we were just saying, you know, Finances is not necessarily a fun thing to preach on or, or to talk about. It's not really enjoyable because it's, it's a tough one for a lot of people. But we really felt that the Lord was positioning us as a community and as believers on the front foot with joy and with faith in our finances to see God move like we've never seen before. That in the middle of a global pandemic, when everything is shrinking and, and falling back, that actually the people of God are advancing, taking ground, and are expecting the supernatural in everything. Not just healing on the streets or in your homes, but actually even in your finances, that God wants to do amazing things. And so if you haven't listened to the last couple of weeks, I'd encourage you to do that. Um, I'm sure they go up on our, our YouTube page. You can go and watch them there. Um, and just soak yourself in this and, and, and really just get the heart um, of, of what we are, are doing in this series. But today, um, it's really awesome to, to have my dad, um, Grant, he's the lead elder of our church, and to have Ben, um, who's just a champion. He's on our leadership team as well, 24-7. And um, we, we're kind of going to do a little bit more of a conversational discussion type thing um, as, we, as we unpack a little bit more practically what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. And um, we, had, uh, we had lunch in the week and we're just chatting through a couple of things and got really excited about actually how practical the kingdom can be even just with money and with your finances and how God can actually use the most simple acts of obedience to transform your life and the lives of others. But through you, he actually wants to use you to change um, other people's lives. And one of the things that Ben really inspires me with is like actually thinking big and, and getting excited about positioning yourself in a place to bless others and to be able to sow and to. So there's just so many exciting things we want to uh, get into. But maybe before that, Ben, you want to say something real quick? Um, so let's just go back a little bit. So you started praying um, for healing. And... Since the lockdown, I've been stuck at home staring at a screen. I'm used to driving around, looking far, getting to see somebody having coffee, maybe looking at a screen for a little bit. But now, with the lockdown, I'm staring at a screen the whole time. So, so for the last week or so, my eyes have been a little bit fuzzy. Okay, So I'm like, I can see, but it's fuzzy. And while you're praying, I said, Lord, I know you love me. Can you just mention eyesight, please? Yeah. <laughs> oh, awesome. Awesome. And... Uh, <laughs> 
And the crazy thing is, so when you said it, I tested it and I looked in the corner there and there was no fuzziness. It was just like that. So the thing is, he really loves us, even in the simple things. Um, I mean, maybe eyesight's not that simple, but it is. You know what I mean? It's like something you do every day. And, and uh, same with finances. You use them every day. And he really, really loves you, and he doesn't want you to suffer in that area. I don't believe he wants anybody to suffer at all, whether it's physically or financially. And, um, you know, and it's difficult, like you say, just talking about finances because it's a bit of a taboo subject sometimes, even especially in church. It's like, ooh, you know, don't talk about finances. But the thing is, we use it every day, and it shouldn't have a hold on us. So whether you have a lot or a little, or whether you talk about it or not, you shouldn't get that like, little cringe and say, okay, look, I'm not part of this or I don't want to watch this, whatever. He really wants you to be free from any financial thing. So, And I think talking about it today might help with some practical things, but I think the first mind shift you have to have is money is not an evil thing. If you think of it that way, I can promise you now you're never going to have any of it to do anything with because you're going to push it away from you. And... Um, it's not an evil thing. It's, you know, the, that verse that you might be thinking of says, the love of money is the root of all evil. So he doesn't want you to love money. Yeah. Um, he also doesn't want you to hate money. Like, it shouldn't have any sort of grip on you. Um, but you can actually use it as an incredibly powerful tool. It's something we use every day, all the time. You know, so... Should I carry on? Or do you well, let's dive in. Let's do it. Um, man, we, we've got a couple of questions we want to go through, and it's, it's kind of just going to be fluid as we feel we'll, we'll go from there. But just a recap from the three questions we did on Wednesday night. I just feel like they're a good foundation um, before we, we go into the rest of these questions. But the three questions we kind of discussed was, um, you know, how do I know that I'm under the influence of mammon? Now, we said, you know, there's a scripture that you, you can't um, love and serve God and mammon. It doesn't say money, it says mammon. And mammon is the spirit that controls uh, the systems of Babylon, the world systems of money. And it's, it's basically anything that would try to take the place of God in your life. That's what that spirit is. And money just happens to be one of those things that really grabs a hold of our hearts and becomes real easy to put in that place. So the question we asked was, how do we, um, how do we know we're living under the influence of mammon, number one? And we were just discussing um, about how it's the fruit in your life. So does money, do you need money's permission to do what you're called to do or to do what you feel is right in your heart? Are you controlled by money? Is there a fear of not having enough? Um, and, and so we began to, to say you, you, you recognize the emotions that you feel around money, the, your decision-making, how you make your decisions, what's governing those choices. That begins to show you what is leading you in, in the area of finances. And then the second one was how do we get free from the influence of mammon in our lives? And what we discussed was, was actually you do the opposite of what mammon tries to do. So mammon wants you to think self-preservation, panic, fear for the future, let fear control your decisions. And so the way that you counter that and the way that you get free from mammon is you actually begin to sow, you begin to step out in faith, you begin to risk in the, in the kingdom, not just risk in foolishness, but risk in faith that actually, God, what are you you want to do it, and you, you give God ownership of everything that you have, and you allow Him to begin to govern your decisions financially. Um, and then the third one was, how do we know where to sow? And we're probably going to get into a little bit of this today, but um, we were just talking about the, the importance of relationship with God, because 
Just sowing a whole bunch of money for the sake of sowing can actually be really foolish. But sowing because you're obedient and have a relationship with God is what He begins to honor. And that's when you begin to sow intentionally and you're risking in faith, not just risking for the sake of risking, but you're beginning to risk in faith into something specific for the purpose of the harvest. And we read that scripture about it's, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And so when the harvest is his kingdom, then you begin to become intentional about what you sow into as you're obedient in your relationship. So just a reminder of those three things, because we're going to kind of jump from that now into some more practical um, questions. So we'll start real practical maybe with Ben, and, and you can kind of carry on from where you, you started there, just around how we as believers should approach money. So you've kind of already laid that foundation, so you just keep going down that direction, yeah. Awesome. So if I was holding a 100 Rand note in my hand or a coin or whatever, it actually doesn't have value as a note. Like I can't put it over my head and keep myself out the rain. I can't eat it. I can't, you know, wash my body with it. I can't do anything. So, so the purpose of money is actually what I can do with it. So, so that is the thing. So, I mean, if I die with 10 billion Rand in my account... It has done absolutely nothing for me. Maybe it can bless the people who are left behind. But the concept is, what are you doing with your money? So, so that really counts. And that also takes you to the point of, what is the Lord telling you to do with your money as well? Um, simple thing, biblical truth, tithing. Boom, it's right there. He says that he hasn't changed his mind. That belongs to him. It doesn't actually belong to you. But I can guarantee you, you can do a lot more with 90% in your pocket and 10% in his, then you can do with the whole 100% Very good. yourself. Very good. So you've got to trust him in that. Very good. Um, so yeah, so, so money really is just a tool. But you, you've got to understand that the Lord knows you very well too. He knows you better than you know yourself. So Connor was saying you don't just willy-nilly like give and do things, whatever. You've got to hear the voice of the Lord. So for example... If he tells you to do something, you can trust that if you release those finances, he will still look after you. But if you just decide, oh, I want to go give this money to this place, and then nothing comes of that, you could actually get hurt in your heart, and you could actually struggle to give again in the future. So he knows you better than that. He, he will probably not take you down that journey. So don't make decisions if he hasn't really spoken to you. So certain things he's very clear, and it's in his word. Um, other things will flow through leadership or whatever, but just listen to what he's saying very to good. you and what he wants you to do with your finances because you can actually trust him in that. Okay, so money's there as a tool to do these things. Be generous, you know, so and you can have an impact. Yeah. You know, so like people that have been sowing into the property, look at what's happened there. But we needed finances, yeah. you know, like that didn't, the fence didn't just spring up, you know. So, yeah. so finances had to come from somewhere, and the Lord spoke to somebody and said, release. Yeah. And they did it, and look, you know, so. Come on, bro, so good. So with that, dude, now you, I'm calling you dude. Dude. Um, Don't call your dad I won't dude. call my dad dude, no. He's bro, no joke. <laughs> um, I better be careful. One week to ordination. Um, <laughs> I'm checking. <laughs> yeah. Um, just with that, bro, I love that, you know, as a believer, we're not approaching money as evil. We're seeing it as a tool, as a weapon in our hands for the kingdom. And uh, so now, practically, when we begin to think like that, and now, okay, our salary, 
comes into our account. How, how do we as believers, how do we steward our salary well? And I, know, I think you kind of know what I'm getting to here with what we discussed at lunch. But how do, we, you know, how do we steward our salaries now that it's come in? We're thinking with a kingdom perspective. What does that look like practically in your opinion? All right. So I like how you say um, it's a weapon. You mentioned that. And this is something you actually shared with me a long time ago. Um, we were chatting about tithing a long time ago. And sometimes you in a financial place where you feel like I can't tithe. You know, you, you're actually facing a battle uh, financially. Yeah. And it was so interesting what Grant had said to me. He said, you know, it's like if you don't tithe, it's like going into battle, a sword fight, and throwing your sword on the floor. That's literally what you've just done. <laughs> you know, so you can't go into battle without your sword. And that tithe to the Lord yeah. is your weapon yeah. in that instance yeah. in finances because you're literally saying, Lord, I trust you, and he comes and he fights your battle for you. So, good, yeah. so it's a lot better if he's fighting your battle than if you're fighting it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. So you can plot along trying to pay these bills and do that and keep a little bit, you know, yeah. or you can just say, Lord, I'll leave it in your hands. Here you go. You know, I'm trusting you. This is my act of faith. I'm going to trust you now. There you go. So, so it is a battle. It really is. And, um, you know, so I think that is definitely step one. Like, tithing is step one. Um, but to take it a step backwards, and I was thinking about this in worship, uh, just preparing for what we were going to chat about. And um, I thought of all the times that I've actually been paid late and how that really, like, got me, you know, and the Lord was just saying, I need to get you past that, you know, like, can you get to a point where if you paid late or not paid the right amount, can you just be free and not actually get tense about it and going, Lord, it's in your hands. And that's where he wants us to be, you know, he doesn't want us to be gripped by finances at all, you know, really. And, and if he can, you know, I'm, I'm saying this, I've journeyed some of this, you know, so some things you can't always just learn in a classroom you have to learn it on a journey so so don't feel bad if the lord's taking you on a journey because he is actually teaching you something um but yeah so sometimes we have to journey these things sometimes we don't sometimes it's actually better to learn from the wisdom of somebody else than having to go through this hard journey yourself you know so just start tithing okay don't (laughs) just do it and you'll see um but that said i mean he also challenged me, and he said, well, what if you, you know, some people tithe, and they don't actually reap the reward straight away. And look, that's the same thing happens when you sow, you know, like you sow, you actually have to wait for harvest, too. It doesn't happen straight away. But the Lord said, well, how much do you trust me, and how much do you love me? You know, like, if I don't give you back, are you still going to do it? Because you're not doing it for the reward, you're doing it for me. Um, so it is really after your heart, and that's the best place to be. So practically, you get paid. You got your salary. First things first, ten percent. Just give it to the Lord. It's his, the whole thing's His anyway. Yeah. Um, but that ten percent, giving it to the Lord, is actually strengthening the ninety percent you have left. Yeah. So you know, as, so that's that thing about the first fruits. The dough is holy, then the whole lump is holy. So yeah. if the branch, if the branch is holy, the, the roots is also. So you literally made your whole salary holy by tithing. So, so now the devourer can't come and attack it. Yeah. 
That's what you want. You know, you don't want a hole in your pocket. You know, you you want that to go far. And it's amazing how you can make a jar of oil last like ages and how you can make dough last for ages. And, you know, it's the thing is, we've got this, sometimes we think of finances as a, a pool or a dam, you know, so it's full, but it can run out. But if you're looking at it at a perspective of a rushing river, it can flow and flow and flow. You're never going to run out. Okay, so stay in the river. You know, don't try to hoard here and hold tight. Just let the river flow through your life. So, so the first thing, definitely tithe, 10%. That's what tithe means. Um, but no heavy on anybody. I mean, it's, if, you, if you're already living to the max, and when I say to the max, I don't even mean 100% of your salary. Some people live on 110%. They don't have enough, and then they dig into credit cards and overdraft and whatever else. Um, it's not the easiest thing to go, oh, okay, let me just put 10% aside. So, so I'm not a, putting a heavy on anybody, but I can guarantee if you do it, things are going to change. But that said, just pursue it. You know, like if you've got 10 rand, give 10 rand. It's, the Lord's not after the 10 rand. He's after your heart. Can you trust him? Yes, Lord. Here we go. Next month, yes, Lord. Here's a little bit more, you know, and get to that point where you are actually giving what you should be giving back to the Lord. So, so that is the 10%. But just back to that point, some people are living off 100%. Some people are living off 110% of their salaries. And for all the young people in the room, please listen to what I'm going to say because it will change your future. Don't live off 100% of your salary, please. <laughs> so worst case scenario, live off 90. Best case scenario, you're living off 70. You know? So 10% goes to the Lord. The next 10% actually pay yourself, you know. So w- what I mean by that is save. Put the money somewhere else. Um, personally, what I use is a 32-day call account. And the reason I do that is because I have to give 32 days notice before I can get the money. Within 32 days, I've got my next salary already. So I don't actually have to access that money. So I use that to build up a kitty. And with that, you can do a lot more. So the things that you're thinking of, like a holiday or maybe buying a house one day, whatever, often we have to go into debt to do these things. But if you've been saving diligently, you can save for three or five years and have enough money for deposit on a house. You know, you could have enough money to go on holiday without going into debt for that holiday. He doesn't want you to be in debt. The thing with debt is like even a credit card, you'll get like 20 grand on your card, you'll spend it, but then next month I'm going to fill it up again You've just gone one month backwards. Why don't you just wait one month and use your own 20 grand? Why did you have to do the opposite? You know what I mean? So, so it's just being wise in terms of how you're managing your finances. So tithe 10%, pay yourself 10%, and the rest you use to pay your bills and to sow into the kingdom wherever the Lord is telling you. But the thing is, if you earn two grand a month, that's 200 to Jesus and 200 to yourself. If you earn 20 grand a month, it's still 10% and 10%. If you earn 200,000, it doesn't matter. You're creating a habit in your life not to live off the full amount. So just work on percentages. Just with that, the one thing you said to me which gripped me is you said, you know, you could, you're saving that 10% as a principle and it sets you up for you and your family, but it's also setting you up to sow 
And I remember you said, like, I mean, imagine you, you save all that. You get to the end of the year, and God says, give the whole thing away. And, and, but you're actually, you've put yourself in a position to be that kind of blessing um, to people, that you're becoming a solution and an answer. Um, so, and I love that, you know, one year or one month, it could be sow it, and another month, it could be take your family on holiday, or, you know, I want you to bless your children or your wife. And I just love that. I think what, what was so moving about that principle, and, and we're not, you know, sharing this as a law. This is a, this is a value that we think is so brilliant because it just puts you on the front foot, um, you know, financially um, for the kingdom as well. And I really love that um, when you said it. Um, Dad, because this isn't the same thing, um, this, <laughs> this um, just in light of what, um, what Ben was just saying there, um, how do you, how would, like, what would you, what advice would you give to people who want to, they've been listening to this series and, and maybe you feel, I want to start sowing. I want to start, you know, um, giving to the kingdom and, and stepping out in faith. Um, but my expenses, like Ben was saying, either my expenses are 100% of my salary or even 110%. How do I start taking those steps towards putting myself in a position to sow? And what, is there adjustments? Um, you know, what's the cost of, of thinking like that? And what's the journey to, to getting front-footed around sowing, if that makes sense? Um, yeah, good question. Um, okay, what I would um, encourage, um, or what I would say up front, is that as Ben was sharing there and as we've been sharing over the last little while, the reason why we've been concentrating so much, not so much on the... Um, the the law or the or the formulas or the actual prescriptive sort of dictating of finances, but rather the heart, is because I believe that debt is not a money problem. I believe that debt is a heart problem, and uh, I always love um, the. I always go back to Connor says you always go back to the Garden of Eden, and uh, with Adam and Eve in the garden. And um, they um, have a heart problem because they mess up and uh, they sin. And then God comes in and he says, Adam, where are you? Uh, that wasn't a geography test. That wasn't a geographical question um, because he's God. How many know he's God? And how many know that when he asks this question, it doesn't mean he doesn't know the answer because uh, he knows everything. So what he was asking is, where are you here? He wanted Adam to to challenge himself here. Where are you? And Adam failed again, and he started to deflect. And that's what we do. Often what we do is we, first of all, we try and kind of create a, a fantasy of reality that's not really real so that we don't feel bad. Um, or what we do is deflect it at somebody else's fault. What Adam did is exactly that. He said, it's that woman that you gave me, which has been the deflection of man ever since. And being our major problem, the downfall of man, is our deflection. Instead of taking ownership, that just maybe we are uh, got to do with the problem. But the, the 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 key thing there was God was trying to ask him to 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 see where his heart is positioned. And so when we we when we uh, take stock, even as we share these kind of things, it's not uh, first and foremost to now. Okay, how do we do this thing if we've got debt or we've got such big demands? The first thing is to take. Uh, a heart picture. Take an analysis of our heart and say, okay, where are we in our hearts? And I, I want to encourage you, this, this is something that I, the Lord spoke to me a while back, and it just I keep reinforcing it over my life. One, 
We are God's idea. We are God's idea. Two, we are God's design. Right? We were created for His purposes, and we were commissioned to do His will. All of that's got to do with God. Very little has got to do with us. Right? So when we encounter these difficulties and these challenges, it's normally because we've allowed ourselves to get involved. So when it comes to finances, what happens with a lot of the people of God, it's their own thinking and own understanding and their own application. And so that's why often it's an unbiblical view. So what we've got to do is position our hearts, have a look, get it back to a biblical view of what's correct, and then to say, okay, Lord, from that point now, now I've, as I've positioned my heart and surrendered my heart now, teach me and help me. And what I believe the key thing there is, the starting point is always, we ha- as the Holy Spirit speaks, we need to act in faith. Faith is an action. I love uh, James 2 telling us that just like the, the body without the spirit is dead. How many know that if our spirit leaves our body, kalunk, is dead? It's very easy. You can, that's a visual example. So it says is faith without works is dead. So faith without some kind of action. So there has to be an action to this. I find for a lot of uh, the people of, of God, they, they have very little financial direction. So they're kind of going, Lord, I just believe you're going to take care of me and help. And even some that are tithing are kind of tithing as some kind of just help, you know, some kind of insurance or guarantee I'm going to get through the month. Now, we know that if you tithe, then the whole thing is now under God's protection. But there's no financial uh, direction for a lot of people. They're just going from salary to salary uh, in their debt and just hoping, and they're just like kind of just getting by, but they're just swimming around still in this, this puddle of debt. We have to be more purposeful in that. We have to say to the Lord, okay, Lord, I got myself into the situation. I'm aligning myself back with you, and I repent. I want to drop this in because it's a radical thing, but that's just something that God convicted me. But I think, I think everything needs to be a journey with Holy Spirit. But the one thing about a, a tithe, by the way, is a tithe's got to do with what you receive. It really has got nothing to do with what you pay out. It's got to do with what you receive. So you should never have the words, I can't afford to tithe, because it's whatever you get in is kind of an acknowledgement to God to give Him 10%. But even if you are in a place, I want to kind of encourage you in a place now where maybe 10% is going to take you uh, over your, your comfort zone of, of, of uh, you're going to freak out. Um, then it's to give it to the Lord and to ask Him, how can I outwork this in you? And I believe God will take you to that place, first and foremost, of getting to that place of 10%. Um, because uh, as we were... Um, worshiping today, I want to just bring this in now because God brings it back to mind, is I remember sitting with Matt, and I remember earlier in the year, and I remember him talking about that he felt like from March, whatever, just the fire of God, he just, he had the fire of God, the fire of God, the fire of God, it's all going to come, and, and um, uh, while I was just worshiping here, I just felt like the Lord say that um, fire always falls on sacrifice, and um, so when it comes to finances, there's always a sacrifice, so that the fire of God can come and fall on it. So we can have the fire of God fall on our lives. And God, right at this particular time, is positioning His people, positioning church, 24-7 church, for such a time as this, for the fire of God to fall on us. Fire of God to fall on us through financial breakthrough and blessing. Fire of God to fall on us on the presence of God permeating through our lives, people getting healed, set free, delivered. Whatever it is, in every single area, the fire of God will fall. But it falls on sacrifice. 
And, uh, and that's, so now it's to, whatever you do when you go before the Lord, it will, action and sacrifice will go together with finances. And uh, so I hope I'm answering the question. Um, so it's how, how do we do this thing? We have to submit ourselves, surrender ourselves to Holy Spirit, to the Lord. Ask Him now to give us a plan of action, an outworking of this, of how we can actually do this, and then yield to Him and allow Holy Spirit to lead us. Because um, why I say um, um, that debt is, is, is not a, a, a money problem, why it's a heart problem, is it just... If I can go quickly to, because Ben used the scripture, 1 um, Timothy chapter 6. If we go to 1 Timothy chapter 6, I will try and use my, um, yeah, uh, yeah. So if you go to 1 Timothy chapter 6, and you were to just go to um, maybe verse, uh, let's start from verse, let's say verse 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 6, it says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. That's just an amazing statement that godliness, godliness is vital, but with contentment. So discontentment is a heart issue, and it's what causes all the problems. How many of us are driven by discontentment rather than by Holy Spirit? So he's saying here, you brought nothing into this world and you're going to take nothing out. That's a powerful statement for us to always remember. No matter what things I add to my life, all this stuff, whatever, I'll never take it out. And I came into this world not with a backpack and um, suitcases, and I came in naked and uh, with nothing. And I'll go out the same way, right? So he's just reminding us here. It's amazing that he's just, it's all connected. Godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world. We cannot take anything out of this world. But if we have food and clothing with these we will be content. It's the simplicity, the simple things of life. That's where our contentment just lies. Uh, it doesn't matter whether, how much God blesses us, how much He doesn't bless us. The point is that we are content in ourselves because we have Him. Yeah. He is our treasure, right? Um, so, um, food and clothing, you'll be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the truth and pierced themselves with many pangs. So there's this, this reality of contentment. There's this reality of um, happiness. You don't get happiness through money. God is our joy. He's our happiness. We are, when we find ourselves totally content in Him, we have to get to that place that we're not driven by outside forces, um, but we are set, settled in our heart and we are motivated by faith um, in what God's telling us to do and I already have found my contentment. That's why I don't know if it springs to mind Paul's statement where I've learned to be content, whether I have much or whether I have little, whatever. That's not what causes the content. The contentment is already there in Christ. And so this is vital that we get content in Him, that we find our happiness, our joy in God. We're not driven by anything else except who He is. And then now as I'm led by Him, He's given me this beautiful um, tool. He's given me this beautiful, um, um, He's equipped me with this equipment. It's called work. And work is not a swear word. Work is a beautiful word. It's a lovely word. It's an anointed, gifted word for every single one of us. 
And as we operate in work now, friends, then He blesses us with the tool of finances. And now it's what I do with that that is absolutely key as a Christian in our life. What happens is if we get captivated, then we are no longer master, we become servant. And money is a terrible, terrible, terrible master. Um, But it's a beautiful tool. It's a beautiful servant. When it serves, we display the nature and the character of God. So good. And so with that, practically, when when you, I mean, I, I just know from my own journey, when you're in a position where it's, you're tight and you're thinking, I really want to sow, what do I do? Um, there's this, this value that we're talking about uh, in the kingdom where you're prepared to make adjustments because it's a joy and you'll make the adjustments in your life to free yourself up to begin to make the, the steps towards the journey of being what Ben was talking about earlier in that position of kingdom-minded, I'm not living off of my whole salary. And what it takes, just to be practical, what it takes sometimes is not to get that uh, Nando's on the weekend and not to, you know, go and get that KFC, but to say, actually, I'm going to use that and free myself up to sow and to begin to invest in the kingdom. Um, yeah, Nando's, um, KFC, yeah. But um, I shared it on, on Wednesday, and I'll just use it as a practical testimony because it's, it's real. This is everyday stuff. Um, it was last Sunday, and uh, we were going to just uh, see a few people to celebrate a birthday, and it was a small gathering, but we wanted to get some lunch, and, um, and we, the money that we had budgeted, and, and we'd been really disciplined, and we said, that's the money for petrol. We can't touch that money. So what we were going to do is go make some toasted sandwiches and, and take that, and there's nothing wrong with toasted sandwiches, but uh, something was just niggling my heart about this, like, I don't feel like toasted sandwiches. I really feel like some chicken. Um, but it's like, oh, but you can't, and, and, uh, and, you know, you can't do that because you need the money for petrol, and this is just real life. I'm just talking real life, and uh, I just, I couldn't shake this, like, aggression in my heart. You know, I, I can't handle this, man. I don't need money's permission to get myself some chicken, and, um, and so I turned to, to Jess, and I said, babe, I'm going to do a, a faith thing here. Are you with me, you know, and Jessica just knows. She's like, here we go. Okay, you know, let's, let's go for it, and she said, babe, I'm with you, and it's uh, funny, you know, bringing unity in the marriage around chicken. Um, so I went into that spa and I bought that cooked chicken. We're going to have chicken. I feel like chicken. And, uh, and I said, you know what? If I have no petrol in my car and I have to park it, I'm going to sit here and enjoy this chicken because I know I can have chicken. Anyway, I, we get the chicken. I walk back, get into our car, and my phone notification goes off. And it's double the amount that I had for petrol money that somebody just sowed into my account in that exact moment. Not only did it pay for the chicken, but it also paid for my petrol, right? So then I'm like, oh, wow. I turned to Jessica. I'm like, you see, you see, I told you. This is faith, you know. Faith and finances. Come on. I'm getting excited. Um, And not only that, this is the abundance of God. The next morning we wake up and somebody else has put money, and it's like three times as much as that amount, into our um, account to bless us. And it just shows you it's like actually when you're free from money, and you know who your sources and your providers, it actually, you can feel the war in your heart. You can feel that wrestle. It's like there's this holy aggression, like, you know. But, but it actually takes risk, but risk in faith and actually stepping out. And if God can do that for, you know, some chicken, He can do that for anything. He wants to do that in our lives for the, the things that matter to us. And so when we talk about, I want to sow, but, my, you know, I just don't have the room for that. Well, there's two things that happen. One, make adjustments, and the other one, step out in faith. 
you know, I took money that technically we didn't have to sow, and I, and I used it for something that I was stepping out in faith. Now, I'm, that was chicken. I'm not, that's not really a kingdom thing, but, but you get the principle is like, if God says to you, I want you to take this, and I want you to sow it, the response can't be, but I don't have money to sow. That's not sowing money. No, when the Lord speaks and you're obedient and He provides, and He doesn't just meet the need, but He actually comes in abundance and He gives you more than, than you need. So that, I love that. So, so Ben, we, we touched on it a little bit, and I think just practically some of the stuff you said at lunch was so good. I know you've got a script you want to read first. Okay, cool. Um, just in terms of, because um, we're talking about you know, people who maybe their salaries, all the expenses take up, and they're in debt. How do we start dealing with debt, like practically? I mean, we, like you've just shared, Dad, that it's, a debt is not a money issue, it's a heart issue. So now we know that, and we go, okay, I want to make the adjustments in my heart, which you were just sharing now. But once I've made the adjustments in my heart, how do I start to make the adjustments practically to work my way out of debt and into a front-footed position financially? Okay. All right. So I'm just going to touch on one thing that Grant said earlier, your uh, chat with uh, Matt about the fire falling on the sacrifice. Uh, this is a verse that I read a while ago. It's just stuck with me ever since. It's Psalm 4, verse 5. It says, Offer right sacrifices and trust in the Lord. So trusting in the Lord is actually a sacrifice. And uh, we can do that with our finances. So um, I've had this discussion a lot with people, and you often hear the uh, similar sentence to this, I do not have enough to sow or I do not have enough to tithe. And I understand that. But what I want to challenge you with is, don't limit the Lord to your salary. Okay, you can have an overseas holiday and earn a two grand a month salary. Okay, you can have chicken and still have petrol and more chicken the next day. Like, okay, don't limit the Lord to your salary. He's not limited to your salary. Your salary can be a hundred times what it is now. The first step is in your hands though. You know, you trust the Lord and let him open the doors of heaven upon you. You know, so, and he really, he can. I've seen it, and I know people in this room have experienced it. It is real, and he loves us, and he wants that for us, you know. So, so that's it. So now, your heart, so the thing is, let me just put this down. So the thing is, you don't want to use your finances to bring you joy, because that's probably what's going to get you into debt. So you're going to buy the nice car because it makes you feel good, or you're going to you know, spend a lot of money on a Mauritius holiday because it makes you feel good. But all of that has what they call diminishing gratification. You're happy for the first two weeks with your new car, and then you get used to it, and it's not that special anymore. You know? so, so don't fall into that trap. Don't try and bring joy into your, to your life through what finances is bringing you. So what Grant was saying, the truth is the Lord is what makes you whole and happy and brings you joy, whether you have much or little. Paul wrote that while he was in prison. Like, he's happy and he's in prison. You know, like, how would you feel if you're in prison right now? You know what I mean? So you, he wants to get you to that place. Okay, so, so finances aren't bringing you joy. The Lord's bringing you joy. That's why you can release your finances. But now you've, you didn't know any of this. You're learning some new things, but you already got yourself into debt and you're struggling to pay it off. What do you do? There's actually quite a simple process that you can follow that will really help. Often people have different types of debt. So they've got some big debts, which are homes or cars. It's not really easy nowadays to buy a home or a car cash. So 
understand that you had to get finance for that. But then they also have other accounts, like clothing accounts or different debts, rolling credits, um, credit cards, overdraft, things like that that people use. Now, the first thing I'm going to tell you about debt is if you pay it off, don't use it again. Otherwise, you're always going to be in debt. So the first rule of paying off debt is pay it, don't use it again. All right, so rolling credits, I mean, that's just wrong. <laughs> because you're always in debt, you're always in debt. So like I said earlier, just wait one month, use your own money. Okay, so don't go backwards. But let's say there's like four things, one thing costs you five grand a month, one thing costs you two grand a month, one thing costs you a thousand, and then another one is like 500 rand. What I'd encourage you to do is if you can take extra to pay off this one that's 500 rand a month. So instead of paying 500, put a grand in there and pay it off in double the time because when it's paid off, you've just opened up a thousand rand. Take that thousand rand and put it in the thing that's costing you two grand. You're paying off extra here and you're going to finish that off a lot quicker. And like I said, don't go back into it. Pay it off. Pay it off. Now you've got three grand once this is paid and you can put it into the five grand thing. And you sort of follow that process. So get rid of the little ones first because it's freeing up extra cash to put into the bigger ones. And then just work yourself up to that point. But you're going to get into a place where the debt is not killing you anymore. You're only living off 80% of your salary. And you've got this big buffer as well because you don't need everything that comes in. So when lockdown happens, it's not the end of your world. You, you actually have a lot of space to play with, and you can handle it. You know what I mean? So it will really help you in the future. Um, but, yeah, so the first thing I'm going to say is stop. If you're carrying on using debt, stop. <laughs> Just stop, okay? <laughs> Second thing, pay it off slowly but surely. Um, sometimes it's a bit scary because you can see this big amount of debt. Um, and I remember a long time ago, it's a, it's a weird analogy, but this guy said to me, he said, how do you eat an elephant? Um, and his answer was one bite at a time. Okay, so just do something. If it's too overwhelming and too scary and you don't do anything about it, it's going to sit there forever. Just slowly do something. Same with your saving. If you slowly and diligently save, you know, think about five years ago, if I was saving 10% of my salary, what would I have right now? Okay. That you can ask yourself the same question in five years when you start doing it. Now. So, yeah. And I mean, we, we're getting so practical with this because the kingdom, it becomes this practical because it's these kind of practical things and principles and values that set you up to be a force in the kingdom. And so, you know, like none of this, again, we're sharing this because these are values that can help you be on the front foot as a child of God in the area of finances. Um, and, and that's why we're getting practical. Maybe you're sitting at home or here and you're thinking, sheesh, this is really practical. You feel like you've come to a seminar or something. No, that's not it. It's just that actually we're, we're wanting to give you tools and put it in your hand and say, actually, right now, the reason we're doing this is God is, is positioning us as a community to go forward. He's setting us free in the area of finances and he's putting tools in our hand so that we never go back to where we were, that we go forward into the destiny of God for our lives. Because, I mean, everything that we're sharing now God loves you and you're blessed and you're favored and, and he's going to take care of you and you're going to experience the goodness of God in your finances. But what matters even more than that is the kingdom of God. 
And he wants us to be in a position to, to be able to live for his kingdom, not just in word, but actually in our finances and in our everyday life. And we're talking specifically around finances, but I, we would say the same thing about healing, the same thing about sharing the gospel with people. There's, there's values and principles and things that we live by that enable us to do that. So we've only got 10 minutes left, so I'm going to do two questions and we can together um, answer these because um, maybe what we'll do is let's start, we'll go Ben quickly and then Dad because you can wrap it up. Um, so, so Ben, what, what we want to do is we wanna, we wanna, I want to shift the focus a little bit and say, okay, now as 24-7 church, we want to talk about um, every individual, what God's doing is incredible. And so whether it's your business or whatever sphere of influence God's called you to be in, we want to be a kingdom-minded people, right? So we want to talk about that. And then the next one, which will be your question, is we want to talk about um, how we as 24-7 steward the inheritance that God's put in our hand. Right now, that looks like our land. How do we steward that as a community? So that's what we're going to end with. But for Ben, what I want to start with there is just individually now, as a, you're, a, you're in business, majority of our uh, community is in business. How does a believer live a kingdom driven life in their business. And I know, I remember when I said this at lunch, the first thing you said to me was, your money's not yours. Like that's the, you know, it's like, it's not your money. But how would you say, how do we now, like if, if there's people at home and, and here as we're listening to this, how do we live a kingdom driven life in our business with our personal finances, but also with our sphere of influence in the business sphere? So let me start by saying the stuff that we are sharing today, we're not sharing for our benefit. We're actually sharing it for your benefit. So if I tell you it's good to tithe, it's not because I want your money. It doesn't even come to me anyway. So, But it goes to Jesus, but it's for your own benefit. This is good for you. Okay, so we're trying to encourage you. But, yeah, so doing business with a kingdom perspective, um, it's simple, but it's not so simple. You have to really change the way you think because it's not about you. Everything you do, Jesus comes first. So it's Jesus' money. You belong to Jesus, actually. It's Jesus' business. You know, he gave you the ability to do what you do. He's given you favor. He's blessed you. But you've got to think, what does Jesus want me to do here? So um, back in the day, like two decades ago, there was a saying, the business of business is business. Right? So... Somebody would do something, they would do something that would hurt somebody else, and they'd go, it's just business. That's changed. Business doesn't run that like that anymore. You just look at social media, that company is going to close down if they do that. So the business of business now is how can we help people? The businesses that are really flourishing now come up with solutions on how to help people, and that's what you're doing. So if you want a kingdom business, you look and say, how can I help people? Right? So that's including your staff. I mean, if you've got a flourishing business and you've got a 1,000 staff members, you actually, as a company, are looking after a 1,000 other families. That is a really big calling. That is why CEOs do actually get paid so much. They carry a lot. They're leading families through the business that they do, as well as their customers. So you've got your employees and your customers. You're looking after everybody. Okay, so you really got to think, Lord, how do you want me to run this? Um, Easy things, just to remember, whatever you do, do the right thing. So, simple. So, just do the right thing. Don't do dodgy stuff. Do what the Lord's called you to do. Do the right thing. Uh, there will often be 
bits and pieces that you might make some extra money here or there, but it's not what the Lord is asking you to do. So just be faithful to the Lord, whatever you do. Pay your staff on time, bless them, be generous, train them, grow them, empower them. Um, I've got a really good friend that took over a company at a, a Christian um, camping site. And after 14 years, that place was making about a million rand loss a year. And when he came in, the Lord said one thing to him. He said, empower my people. And there were about four staff members there. And these ladies had been cleaning toilets and making beds for 14 years. That's all they did. And the Lord told them, empower my people. And what he did is he grew them. He taught them how to use Excel spreadsheets. He taught them how to host people that came to the camp. He did a whole bunch of things with them that that retreat is making almost 6 million rand a year for that company now. He's been there for about three and a half years. So it's a big turnaround in a quick time because he was faithful to what the Lord called him to do. Okay. And you can see these people's lives, how they've grown. So that is business with a kingdom principle. Jesus first, what does he want me to do? I have a center of influence here that can actually change the world. I don't have to yeah. preach to change the world. I can do business and change the world yeah. at the same time for the kingdom of Jesus. And just a testimony around exactly what Ben has said. Um, if you were to view your business or your sphere of influence as the, the sphere that God's entrusted you to make disciples, then you see those people almost like your own congregation. And there was a, a testimony of a lady in China who was, became the CEO of this huge company, also something like a thousand employees. And... Um, she, she, this was in China, and she did something incredible. She said she made, um, she made the father the chairman of the board. She made Jesus the CEO, and she made the Holy Spirit a personal advisor. And, uh, and then she actually, she, as a prophetic statement, she put a big chair, and she made like a throne in the center of her business. And she said, Jesus is enthroned. Like, this is vis visual. Like, the workers could see this. Jesus is enthroned in our business. And at any time of day, you can come here and worship and spend time with him as long as you, you know, carry on with your work. But then she started to focus on discipling the people in her business and, and raising up. She would bring in ministers and pastors to come and spend time with their guys and go after their well-being and that they would know Jesus. And slowly but surely, everyone in her business starts getting saved. And uh, she said she would come out at lunch break and everyone would be crying, you know, worshiping around the throne in the middle of her, of her business. And and the supernatural started to happen, testimonies of God's goodness and faithfulness in everybody's life. And so it's amazing how your business actually can end up becoming um, the, the ecclesia, the ecclesia of God, the, the governance of heaven um, through simple acts of obedience, doing the right thing in the kingdom. So I love that. Um, and then, Dad, as 24-7, how, how do we now as a community, you know, we've got our land, but, but even just more than our land, how do we steward because finances play a big part in the kingdom. We can't, we can't travel to nations or, or even just do what you want to do in the community without finances. So how do we steward our inheritance and our destiny well as a church? And what does that look like together as a community individually? Yeah, so um, I would say firstly, uh, we need to understand who we are as a, as a church. And um, contrary to popular belief, money was not created so that we could get all our desires and all the things that we think will satisfy us. Um, it, the money was created um, for us to actually be a blessing. Um, we are blessed to be a blessing. So there are three aspects to, to finances, which as a church, this should be our, our natural display. One, as a church, we tithe. So it goes to the local storehouse, to the local church that I'm committed to. So that enables that local church to thrive. 
enable them to be a blessing and a city on a hill, a light. Not that they are all got all run down, falling down, building, and um, and everybody there is like half clothed. It's it's to to be a, an absolute blessing, right? Then secondly, um, money in our lives is meant to be we are either we are goers or senders, one or the other. If we're the ones that are going out, then we then there needs to be senders who give the finances for the guys to go, or I am a goer and I'm going out and somebody else is, is sending. So our finances are there to spread the gospel. So I'm giving to the local storehouse to make it be a city on the hill to be a, so that it can take care of the local body. People are being helped and taken care of. There's no needy one among them. I'm also now a goer or a sender. That means I'm able to go out or I'm, I can't go out, but I'm able to release. So my funds is now being uh, enabling the gospel to get out. And then lastly, um, we give to the poor. So here's what the church looks like. The church looks like a group of people that are getting their finances in. Not just we understand that it's to take care of our, our personal needs and food and, and clothing and all of that. We understand that. But money is that's at the basic 101 level. We are not called as a church to live down as turkeys. We are eagles, right? So we are called to live and to reign in places. We are above, not beneath. So now we are being given this finances for those three areas. And if you do yourself a favor, go and study Proverbs and find out what happens to a person who gives to the poor. It's an incredible, it's um, in Proverbs 19, I think it's verse 17 around there, where it says, if you're generous to the poor, he who's generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and the Lord will repay him. Isn't that an amazing thing, that if I'm generous to the poor, if I give to the poor, then I'm actually lending to the Lord. Imagine lending to the Lord. His interest rates are out of this world, right? So, so what God will bless you with. Um, so it's actually an investment um, that you are actually lending to God by giving to the poor. So it's just unnatural. And let me encourage you as well. Don't ever transfer compassion to somebody else for the poor. What we do is let me give to the church fund who's giving to the poor. No, you have compassion. You also can give to the poor, right? Um, but you can also give. So when we get involved in this, we begin to display the character and the nature of God. That's the church. That's who we are. Now we are displaying His nature through our finances, through our giving, through what we're doing. It's, it's, it's just a, a, a demonstration overflow of who God is. That's being the church, right? Then God gives you this incredible um, uh, tool in your hand, let's say like a piece of land or a place where we can do that well, what we've just said. So now... We've been given this, this beautiful land. We're going to have to build a building on there. We're going to, because on that piece of land, we want to do that well. We want to tithe to make sure that there's uh, the facilities there that can bring. So when we get people saved, they come in. They can be taken care of. They can be looked after, all of that. So we want to tithe to that. We also want it to be a place where there's people going in and out all the time, all over the nations, ministering the gospel. And we also want to be a place where the poor can get taken care of, where we're meeting the needs of the poor. So now we've been given this. So we challenge now, okay, how do we do that? So we can all gather as a group of people, as a church, and we can say, all right, we're going to pray for those millionaires, for those billionaires, for those, those people that have got more and their, their, their banks are all full. And let's pray that God will give. Well, it costs them just like it costs us. So what we have to do is we've got to go before the Lord and say, what are you asking me to do? See, that's, that's the key thing. In, 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 in Nehemiah, when you, when you study the book of Nehemiah, you'll find in chapter 3, it says that they built the wall in front of their house. 
Isn't that amazing? So what we do is, we, what have we got in our hands? What can we build? That's where it starts. And then we trust the Lord because what Ben was just sharing, sharing now is when you put your finances in God's hands, that releases what? His grace. Then it's never about how much you give. Now it's about His grace. And His grace is more than enough. There's abundance of grace, right? So now, first and foremost, we have to be a people that are prepared to sacrifice so that the fire of God will fall. First and foremost, not I'm praying somebody else will sacrifice so that we can have the land. So it mobilizes us to ask the Lord, what is He asking of us? And now we begin to sacrifice. We begin to sow. We begin to plow. And let me also just use this example. It's a beautiful example, illustration that also helps us. It's, you know, what the enemy always does, is, and it's religion, is he tries to get us to focus always on the negative, always on the downside instead of the upside. So often uh, what, what, what we focus on is that, you know, I just I had no money in my bank account, and, um, and then God just supernaturally used this person to come and just bring me a thousand rand or a whole lot of bag of groceries, right? We put ourselves in the person that has no money. I want to challenge us as a church. Let's put ourselves in the place of the person that's doing the giving. See, I want to be, I want to be the guy that brings the groceries. I want to be the guy that transfers the thousand rand or the five thousand rand into the bank account. Now, there are times that we as believers get ourselves in a place where we need God to bless us. But that shouldn't be all the time. We should also be in that place because we are blessed. We are blessed to be a blessing. And, 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 and God has blessed His people. And as we position ourselves and action ourselves for this, He will entrust us with more and more and more so that we can be that person that rings the bell at that house and brings the groceries that makes a deposit into people's bank accounts, right? Uh, this is what God's calling us to do. It's an actioning. So I, I want to land with this very practically um, uh, just to help every single one of us is that I know that as we are sitting here today, there might be some people, whatever, they might say, listen, I don't have any finances. I don't even have a job. We will pray now and we're going to believe for a job because work is, I believe the reason why people don't have jobs is the enemy loves to try and knock who we are. He tries to bring shame or humiliation, and, we, and that's been conquered by Jesus. So, so we want you to work. But even if you have no job, we can still rely on the Word of God, which says God gives seed to the sower. So when you position yourself to be a sower, you might have no job and zero finances, but God will give you seed. And seed comes before the harvest, friends. So if you, you, you have the opportunity to eat your seed, if He gives you seed, or the opportunity to sow. When you sow, we don't know how big that harvest is going to be because the grace of God comes on it, right? If you do have a job, friends, then you have a set. I want, I'm using a par. Maybe I'm hungry. No. Um, it's, so if you've got a par, one set par, and now God's given you that, you have to take that par, and you have to ask the Holy Spirit, and you have to now uh, utilize what you do have. Uh, and that does mean sacrifice. So, for instance, you might say, right, I've got 5,000 rand for the month, for the whole month for food and grocery, for food or whatever, or I've got 3,000 rand. You have to be purposeful. You have to say, right, I'm going to take 100 rand of that or 200 rand of that, and I'm going to now sow that into the building fund or into whatever God's telling you to do. And then it will cost, it will be a sacrifice, because maybe now you have to trust Him, and maybe it even does mean beans on toast for three nights in a row instead of chicken, right? Um, or I, I, I would be thinking more of a big steak. But anyway, that's fine, chicken. Um, um, the reality is, friends, it, it, it costs, but you can make that sacrifice, 
and then give it into God's hands and let Him breathe on it, and then watch God multiply. So what we are doing here, friends, is we're doing something spiritually and in the natural. What's happening on the land is in the natural, the land is being developed. But what's happening spiritually in 24-7 church is we being developed. So that we are ready when we go onto the land. Not the land is just sitting there now, all nice and beautiful, whatever, but we are not ready to, to step into our inheritance, right? So that's always what God does. He always prepares our hearts ready for us to step into the fullness of what He's got in our inheritance. So I say, as a church, we have this beautiful opportunity that as we sacrifice, and it will cost, it costs as we sacrifice for what God's doing across over there. The fire of God will fall on that sacrifice, and God will use us and multiply and do amazing things. And I believe even right now, there's some of you sitting here and some of you that are listening, where you may have been in the place over the last little season, where you've been the guy that's been battling to get by, and you've had to take a, 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 a handout, or you've been ta take a blessing, or take... The Lord's had to, to give to you. I believe that God's going to shift that and change that. As we shift that mindset in our hearts, as we, we, we shift from, peop, from, from basically a taker to a giver, um, and we say, Lord, I want to be a giver, and I don't care what it costs or what it sacrifices. I don't care. I'll go without food, but I want to take that 50 rand or that 100 rand. It's not the amount, church. Always remember that. It's not the amount. The little widow gave us a beautiful example in the Bible where she gave two mites. That's two sixty-fourths of a day's wages. That's like, that's like nothing. She gave, but it says she gave everything that she had. She gave all that she had to live on. And, and, and Jesus enjoyed that so much that she gave more than everybody else because she positioned herself for an incredible harvest. So as we position ourselves for an incredible harvest, it may be a sacrifice, but fire of God's going to fall. God's going to use us as a community of believers to do and be the display that He wants us to be. We will be the people that will not only just tithe. We'll be a people that will not only be going uh, or, or sending, but we will be a people that will be giving to the poor. We'll be the demonstration of the hands and the feet of Jesus Himself. Because the Bible calls us, as the people of God, I'm nearly finished. As the people of God, He calls us to, we are called to be transformed, to be more like Jesus. We, as we become more like Jesus, what He calls us to do is represent Jesus. Represent. Re-present. Re is do it again. We are called to, again, present Jesus. Be His hands and feet. Present Jesus Again, although he's gone to heaven, now he's not just Jesus on the earth. Now there's thousands of people that can represent who he is, who his nature is. He's a good God. He's a loving God. He's a generous God. He's a giving God. He's a God that is more than enough. He's a God of abundance. As the people of God, we've got to present him well. If we haven't been presenting him well, to so make the alignment, make the adjustment, go back to that place, that surrendering place of the heart, and to say, Lord, I want to be this. Because that's what I'm called to. You made me to be this. And so then allow the Holy Spirit to take you there. Friends, He wants to take you there. He wants you to take you to the place of blessing and of abundance. Not for you, but for the uh, sake of the kingdom of God so that we can be who He's called us to be. I would love, friends, for every single one of us to be that answer to those that are in need, to those that are taking strain, instead of us needing an answer. We become the answer. The church is called to be the answer, friends. We're the ones that, that flows from our lives. Amen. So 
today, just an encouragement, encouragement to the people out there, encouragement to us that are sitting here. This is not God trying to take away, friends. This isn't, this is Peter when he, we, the, the five loaves and two fishes are given to Jesus and Jesus breaks the bread and gives him back the bread and he gave him a loaf and he got half back, friends. This isn't Peter looking and going, you see what God does? He takes away half, friends. This is Peter looking at the half and saying, Lord, in your hands, what this half can do and breaking that half again and releasing it and breaking it again and releasing it and seeing what a half can do that it can feed thousands of people versus what a half can do just in a little boy's mouth. It would have just fed the little boy, but when it was given into the hands of the disciples and to the people of God, and they weren't looking at it as if God had taken something away. They were looking at God had placed something in their hands to release. And when they released it, friends, it became a multiplication that was way beyond their wildest dreams, friends. So beyond. What we do now in these days ahead, friends, can be way beyond our wildest dreams just if we give Him what's in our hands. The grace of God, when it comes upon anything, friends, it's way beyond what we can even ask, think, or imagine. That's what God can do. And that's what He's asking us and entrusting us here. Not to put a heavy on us, to release us, to soar high for our benefit, friends, so that we can be who He's called us to be, His hands and His feet in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. So good. All right, so let's just lift our hands and let's receive the impartation of that this morning. We just thank you, God, that your anointing is here. It's been here all morning. You've anointed every chord, every word that's been spoken, every song that we've sung. Your presence is in this room, and in your presence is fullness of joy. In your presence is everything that we need. We lack nothing in your glory. And so I just thank you, Lord, that right now, if we have been in a position or in a place in our lives, we have not seen the fullness that we have in God, the fullness that we have in Christ, that we have not realized the yes of your promise. Lord, that this morning we encounter you. We come into the life and the fullness and the goodness, the faithfulness of Jesus, the person of Jesus. We come into you right now and we receive the all-sufficiency of God, not just spiritually, but even practically with our finances, we receive the all-sufficiency of God. And we say thank you that we are front-footed. We're positioned in a place right now to be givers, to sow into the kingdom, to be a force to be reckoned with. And so we thank you for what you're doing in 24-7 Church. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that the fire the glory, the anointing of God begins to fall on every person in this room, on every single person in their homes right now, that the anointing of the Holy Spirit begins to consume the lies that we've believed for so long, the thoughts that we've thought about our finances, about our position in life, about our jobs and our businesses, the negativity that's tried to suffocate the church. We thank you that this morning we come into the yes of Jesus. We come into your presence. We are in your anointing that breaks the yokes of slavery, that we stand as children of God, free, holy, blameless, above reproach, given everything, everything to do what you've called us to do, that you have given us everything. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Father, I believe you said, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You came to bring us freedom, Lord God. Freedom, Father. Freedom isn't being able to do whatever you want. Freedom is to do what's right. Father, I thank you. I speak freedom over the church, freedom over 24-7 church, freedom over everybody watching this, Lord God, the freedom, Lord God, to do what's right, Lord. 
God, to just do whatever we want, to do what's right, Father. I thank you now that you just come upon your people in such a divine, miraculous way right now, Lord God. Thank you for your anointing, Lord. I thank you, Father, right now, Lord, where there's people, if they're here, Lord God, or or listening right now or watching that have not got a job, I want to pray right now, Father, for work for them, Lord. I thank you, Lord God, that you said man must work in order to eat, Lord. There is a divine appointment that you designed and that you gave us to work, Lord God. Because, Father, the enemy wants to put shame onto our lives because we can't work. But he also, Lord God, even uh, as important, Father, he wants to stop us from being the representation of Jesus Christ, from being ambassadors of the kingdom of God. He wants to stop us from being able to give, from being a blessing, Lord God. And we were blessed to be a blessing, Father. So, Lord, I thank you right now that I call in the jobs from the north, the south, the east, and the west, Lord God. I thank you that you've set appointments up, Lord God, for your people, Lord God. I thank you, Father, for doors opening, Lord. It's not, Lord God, we are not limited to the COVID uh, situation. We're not limited to lockdown. Father, you can open doors for your people, Lord God, because, Father, you can take what even is what is uh, not even of uh, natural, Lord, as you took the ravens to come and bring bread and meat to feed Elijah. I thank you, Lord God, that ravens brought meat, Lord God. It's not natural to them. They normally eat it. Father, but they, against their very nature, Lord God, they brought it. I thank you, Lord God, that you're bringing people into our lives, Lord God, that against their even very nature, they will do what you've called them to do, even if they're not saved, Father. You will use the unsaved, Lord God. You will, king's hearts are in your hands. You will turn them like a watercourse, Father, the, the way you want them to go, Lord God. So I thank you, Father, that there's favor upon the people of God. And I thank you for doors opening, Lord God, and job opportunities happening right now. In the name of Jesus, Lord God, I thank you not just for job opportunities, but for promotions, Lord God, that you will exalt, Lord God, your people, Lord God, in due season. If they do not go weary of doing good, Lord God, if they not go weary of doing what's right, Father, if they not go, do not grow weary, Lord God, of following you, Lord Jesus, of listening to you, Father, to listen to you, to follow you, Lord God, takes commitment, takes sacrifice, Lord God, it takes a heart after you, it takes a trust and a confidence that you are more than able, Lord God, more than able, not just able, more than able, Father, that you are not just willing, Lord God, but you are, are wanting to, to express your, your, your generosity, Lord God, over us as the people of God, Lord. So I thank you right now today. I just release the abundance and blessing of God over your people, Lord God. I thank you even right now, Lord God. I just speak out to those business people, Lord, even they may be listening right now, that you maybe have been storing up. You've been maybe storing up, but the Bible tells us that... You will give an account before the Lord one day and that you never know when that time is and you can take nothing with you. That if there's been maybe just a scaredness or just a nervousness about the future and there's been a withholding, I thank you, Father, that I break a withholding spirit right now over every single one of our lives, Lord God. Father, anything that's trying to to, uh, secure our future, that that's how we, Lord, you are our future and our security is found in you, not in money. But I break the withholding spirit right now. And I thank you for a release of finances. Feel like the Lord will lay uh, even uh, amounts on your heart to release even right now. Whether it's into 24-7, the building fund or to uh, wherever, I just sense now there's just a releasing of the heart where you can trust God, where you can give and you can sow. The measure which you measure is the measure that's measured back to you. For some of us, a spade is all we've got. And we've measured, we'll get measured back with a spade. But some of us, we've got TLBs. We've got mass, massive TLBs that we can measure. God will measure it back to you in a TLB. Lord, I feel like there's going to be a transactional uh, appointment. Where there's going to be a release right now. 
I thank you, Father, by faith, Lord God, that people are going to release, Lord God, as you speak to them, even right now, and things are going to be returning back, Lord God, pressed down, shaking together, running over. I thank you, Lord God, that there's going to be an abundance that's going to begin to happen, Father, as they release. Not a lack, but an abundance. Not a shortfall, but an overflow in the name of Jesus. As we begin to trust Him and listen to His voice and do what He's called us to do, I thank you, Father, that there's going to be an increase. I speak such increase over our finances, Lord God. I just want to encourage you today, every single person, as you release whatever God's speaking to you, I just I see that that's going to come back, pressed down and shaking together and running over. I, I can see God doing such a, a transaction in the heavenly realm with you right now that it's going to be a place where we're going to, the fire of God's going to fall. The fire of God's going to fall. I pray, holy fire of God, as we were singing uh, this morning, fall upon us. Let us be consumed by you, Lord God. All consuming fire. Won't you consume us? Won't you consume everything that we have, Lord God, including our finances, Lord? You are Lord over our lives. Will you take control, Lord God, that we would no longer be a people that lack, but we'd be a people of abundance in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, it starts with a simple act of obedience. Faith is an action. Faith is a substance, friends. Faith is a substance. Faith is an evidence. As we act and we ask the Lord to come, even right now, I thank you, Lord God, that you will do the impossible. In the name of Jesus. In every single person's heart and in their finances right now. Be believing for the impossible, Lord God, to happen in our finances, Lord. Right now in the name of Jesus. Right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father, for the impossible. I thank you for supernatural deposits coming into people's bank accounts. I thank you, Father, for just uh, uh, money coming from different avenues and places, Lord God, from people that we might not even know or have known. Or just I thank you, Lord God, that there's just going to be a release of finances into our hands, Father. And I thank you, Lord God, that you will be able to trust us to be stewards of that for your kingdom in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, that Lord God, we are not dams, but we are rivers. Thank you, Father, that you entrust us so that the river can flow in and through us to others, Lord. To whatever you called us to, I ask right now that you would trust us, Holy Spirit. Trust us today with finances for the kingdom. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So we just receive that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We're, um, we're about His presence, so we're just going to continue to worship. And if you're here in the room, you can just continue to encounter Jesus and just receive. If you're at home, we want to encourage you to just go into a time now with the Lord. Just receive from Him. Just let Him touch you. Let Him impart what He's doing this morning. But we just want you all to know that we love you so, so much. God's doing incredible things. This is an amazing time to be alive. And, and we're in a season of not just visitation, but habitation of His presence and power in our community and in our lives individually. So we bless you guys. We love you. We're going to go back into that song and just sing holy. And uh, we invite you to just continue to encounter. We love you guys.